1: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Shape of Work podcast. Uh, today, we have with us Saurabh Kale, who is the Global Director, People and Culture at Talent 500. Welcome to the show, Saurabh. How you been?
0: Doing good. Thank you.
1: Thank you so much. Uh, let's, let's jump right into the conversation that we're about to have today. And uh, so let's begin with, you know, a short intro about yourself. Can you tell us, tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your career till now?
0: How has it been? Well, interestingly, now, almost this year, I complete 15 years in the space of human resources. Uh, these 15 years have been pretty interesting, roller coaster, lots of learning, you know, successes, failures, all put together. But generally, I like to divide my career into three parts. The first part is where I worked with services organizations like the Syntels and Wipros of the world. Uh learned a lot many things with regards to how do you manage your stakeholders to possibly, you know, uh, take care of your employees from a learning and organizational development point of view. The second stint of my career, I spent a lot more time with product and engineering companies like McAfee and Intel. And uh, here, I think my role became a little more global in nature, where I was responsible for uh, people programs and initiatives across the organization. Uh, interestingly, I kind of enjoyed the space uh, more uh, than the services organizations, I would say, because everything that you kind of build uh, typically would have a direct impact on the, on your users. So love the space, and which is also the advent and the start of the startup uh, in India, which is where I you know, have been in the last five years or so, uh, having worked with the organizations like Practo, Grab in Singapore, uh, came back to join a fintech, Zeta, and now with Talent 500 in the HR tech space. So net-net, I've played roles in the learning and organizational development to talent management and leadership development. And today now, you know, as the uh, head for people.
1: Awesome. Sounds amazing. Um, So I read one of your articles about storytelling in organizations and um, how a brand tells its story works, not only as a great tool to attract external customers, but internal as well, which is the employees. And in your view, what is the best way to do this? And is there a difference between storytelling versus story selling?
0: Uh, Yes and no. So I'm going to try and give my best uh, response to this. Yeah. So um, storytelling and story selling are two different elements. In storytelling, typically, I like to call it uh, three Ps. And uh, this is something that I coined many years ago when I wrote my article around storytelling and how it could be used um, in creating an employer brand or for that matter, you know, uh, require people to take certain actions around it. So three P's stand for purpose, protagonist, and a plot. Okay. In storytelling, the beauty is that you, you narrate the story and you leave it for your audience to consume the way they want to consume it. Okay. And the inferences can be many. So typically, in my head, the, this is how I see it. that storytelling is just a narration where there could possibly be an action or a no action after it. But in storytelling, you need people to take certain actions.
1: Right. Awesome. That sounds awesome think i think, um, yeah, I, think uh, I related to the part where you said that storytelling has you know an open-ended perception that pick up we pick up whatever we perceive out of it but storytelling has a focal point where you know this is exactly what we want them to focus upon that was that was great moving on to our next question uh so the pandemic made it abundantly clear that work and personal life can no longer be treated as isolated parts and um, in your view, what are the most important perks to consider in the modern workspace? And how does it benefit the organization?
0: Lovely. Uh, so I have two parts answer to this, you know, and the way I would like to break this in, is into three parts. Uh, to enable your employees to be more productive, you know, be happy, be more engaged, um, you will need to encircle all your HR initiatives, people initiatives around it. The way I would like to classify would be: your policies need to empower your employees to do better. Your benefits or your perks need to kind of enable people to be a little more engaged, invested in the work that you do. So, some of the things that we do at Talent Five Hundred would be that we provide home office setup. You know, so have your own workspace. You know, buy a you know an ergonomic table chair for you to be able to work uh, better. We also have kind of come up with a few uh, mobile internet uh, policies, which enable people to take the best in class, you know, uh, you know, I would say uh, broadband services that are available. Most important of all, of all, I would say from a benefit point of view, it's important that we enable either remote work or for that matter, hybrid work. Mm-hmm. So again, at Talent 500, we have enabled people to work from anywhere. In fact, we have a policy. We, we are remote forever as an organization so with that uh, all our policies all our benefits all our perks are you know surrounding this particular theme or you know central idea that how can we enable our employees to be more productive engaged but uh, when they are working out of any place Okay. Uh, we kind of have this philosophy at this point in time, which kind of has evolved over a period of time. That happy employee is productive employee. Mm-hmm. So our focus completely is around creating the happiness and you know people enjoying their work along their journey, and that's what we trying we are trying at this point in time. Uh, you know by introducing various initiatives around this.
1: So can you give us a you know like like just a brief overview of what kind of initiatives. Uh, you've taken up uh, in your organization?
0: Sure, so we, we are a Slack first as an organization. So a lot of our communication happens over Slack. And what we have today, you know, because most of our employees work remotely, are circles, and this concept is pretty new. So, we do have city circles at this point in time, and we also have interest based circles, you know, that we have created. So, city circles typically are a bunch of people, say, for example, people working in and around Delhi. So, Delhi becomes the hub, and, you know, nearby cities become their spoke. So from a hub and spoke point of view, there are these regular events that happen on a monthly basis where people kind of come in together. It could be as simple as having lunches together or interest-based circles, which could be cycling together, which could be hiking together, and so on and so forth. So we still want to keep that element of people or human touch uh, through this remote forever environment as well. So we end up doing these small little initiatives from our side. For women, we we are coming up with a framework, we we or a program called a Sakhi, which is basically going to be uh, more peer to peer mentoring for women at work. And you know, we perceive that women have their own challenges in this work life integrated um, environment. So, how can you know one woman help the other woman, and you know. Uh, Share their experiences to create that best experience, and through that, we are also looking to uh, you know get that high touch human you know a little more personalized approach uh, in a remote forever environment.
1: Awesome! It sounds it sounds like really interesting initiatives. So just just for you know out of curiosity, how has the you know how has it been with these initiatives? How have your employees responded to it, and you know what what has their feedback been?
0: Very interestingly, you know, uh, some sometimes I believe that you know we we are just the kickstarters, but the initiative is sustained mostly by the employees itself. So, when we kickstart the uh, initiative, primary idea is ours. I would say when from coming a little more induced from the uh, people team, or for that matter, say certain leaders as such, but our employees really kind of you know take that idea churn it into another idea altogether. And I'm just struggling at this point in time, which initiative we could talk about. But one thing that comes to my mind is um, we had been wanting peer-to-peer recognition as well. And, you know, so today uh, we are partnered with Engage With, but at the same point in time, you know, we created something called a Spotlight Awards. Mm -hmm. Now, the intention was to recognize people who go over and above as such. And, um, you know, Eventually, it has become one of the most sought after recognition in the organization as well. You know, this is manager nominated and uh, something that people want to be in that club, you know, to to ensure that the manager recognizes uh, their efforts. And, um, you know, there's there's a lot of momentum around it where people have kind of gone ahead to even showcase that on LinkedIn, you know, other social platforms Mm -hmm. and so on. But something which started just as a mere recognition today is something which as an initiative also has kind of gone way ahead. And like this, I would say there are many other initiatives where Uh, I also would like to kind of, you know, credit our employees wherein they they don't take it at the face value, they challenge it, they they ask questions, and then they customize it to suit their needs as well. So it's it's a very interesting time wherein, uh, you know, it is not a particular department's responsibility or it is not just a leadership driven initiative. It is, uh, I would say, a co-collaborative approach between the set of employees and uh, the management per se so yeah i mean these are few few ways in which you know these initiatives have been well received
1: yes i i think it's it's really interesting how uh post pandemic and you know from from the time pandemic started um the the whole idea of workplace has changed workplace culture has changed and earlier it used to be you know do you get lunch at workplace and you know do you get a get a nice office and these are the things that were being highlighted but now there's so much more to employee well-being rather than just what's given to you physically and uh, i think what initiative talent 500 has taken is you know really interesting and i'm i'm looking forward to see more updates on that and see how how it's going to go that was, that was great. Moving on to our next question. Uh, in the past few years, we've seen a transition towards an unconventional learning approach that is more micro, mobile-first, innovative, and on-demand to meet hybrid working patterns. So learning has become more automated than hands-on. So one-size-fits-all is no more You know the way it goes. So according to you, what role does an organization play in upskilling the modern workforce? And what are the factors to consider?
0: It's a very interesting question, and also the time in which this question is being asked. For example, if you would have asked me the same question a few years back, maybe my response would have been very different. But today, I feel it's it's uh, in my head. I call it as attawad, which is any time, mm-hmm. anywhere, any device. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, because of this mobility, because of the flexibility of people, can, you know, who can work out of any place, remote work, hybrid work, uh, people are optimizing on their time, travel time to work. You know, all of this has led to a complete uh, revolution in how people learn these days. So personally, I think the way forward is going to be uh, hyper personalization and you know, the, something to note here is the word hyper, because I think we've kind of uh, reached a point where learning is personalized, but maybe what is required now is hyper personalization,
1: okay. which
0: means that um, some of the things that we can definitely look into account is what what's your learning style? How do you prefer? Are you an online person or offline person? Okay. Um, you know, do you prefer reading something or do you prefer watching something mm-hmm. right so it's a complete personalization in, in in today's world and uh given the nature of how we are working today long hours sometimes you know integrated hours which basically means you can take off time go uh, you know do your gym take your dog for a walk and then come back and then you know very limited time in between you have meals to be taken care kids to be taken care and so on and so forth I think one thing that I'm definitely going to say is maybe today is the peak of micro learning or bite-sized learning. Mm -hmm. So constraints or factors that definitely need to be taken into account, I'm going to say, is one, learning style. Mm -hmm. Two, the availability of people's time. Three, the relevance of the content, which is also turning out to be pretty fast these days because... Something that was relevant maybe six months back today possibly is irrelevant. And finally, you know, what's the personalized journey that an individual takes based on the learning style? So online, offline, you know, self-paced, fast-paced, you know, bite-sized, test-based, all of that mixed together. So personally, I don't think so there is any sweet spot left anymore because there are too many variations at this point in time. But I feel personally, so long people are developing themselves and investing in their development, I think that's the way
1: forward. Awesome. I, I think I, I love the part where, um, you know, uh, it has moved from, you know, this kind of classroom training model that we started off with years ago. Um, and there was no other option other than to just sit and listen to that one particular lecture. But now there are so many different models available being adapted to different preferences. And, you know, it, there's a customization in everything. And I think all of us have been spoiled for choice in every single aspect of what we do today. That was that was Just amazing. to
0: add to it, uh, you know, at this point in time, I also feel that technology is playing a very important role in Absolutely. truest form. Um, I was reading somewhere that an individual on an average, one individual would have typically three or four devices, Mm -hmm. you know, right from laptop to mobile phones, to tablets, to possibly any other, you know, maybe it could be a smartwatch or any other thing. So I think going forward, just to add on and double down on what I said, it's going to be literally anytime, anywhere, any device kind of a learn.
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Awesome. So moving on to our next question. So among the many elements of talent strategy, Um, that drew global attention in 2021. One key element was diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI. What is your opinion on making diversity, equity, inclusion more sustainable in everyday routine versus an occasional awareness program?
0: Uh, This is is interesting. Again, the whole... You know, uh, erstwhile, it used to be called as diversity and inclusion and the equity was somewhere missed out. And today, if you look at it, equity has also kind of come into the whole picture, Uh, making it possible for people to ensure that this is a day to day practice. I'm going to definitely say that these needs to be a conscious practice in your day to day activities, like could be interviewing, could be your uh, check in conversations with your employees could be your performance reviews and feedback, and so on and so forth. Uh, One of the things that I've noticed where most of the diversity uh, initiatives tend to fail or are not sustainable is exactly what you said. You know, these are treated as events uh, most of the times, right? So closer to International Women's Day, you will find a lot more diversity. And then the specificity is only towards um, one aspect of diversity, which is gender. But, you know, when you talk about inclusivity or inclusion per se, I think it includes everything and not just uh, restricts itself to, say, gender. So it oh. could be diversity in terms of language, people, color, you know, or for that matter, you know, anything and everything per se. Equity, I think, you know, is a newest pillar, which has kind of come in and, you know, I personally am really kind of uh, surprised that it took so long for equity to be added, but uh, I think that's a very welcome change at this point in time. So let's see how it goes, but no DEI initiative will be successful if it is not incorporated in a smaller ways in a conscious way in day-to-day practices or day-to-day things that people do. It needs to be part of your calls, meetings, feedback conversations, check-in conversations, interviewings, and, and so on so forth.
1: So don't, don't you also think that, you know, to make it part of every day at work, it's also important for us to use it in our own lives as well, like our interactions outside of work and, you know, everything that we that happens apart from the work life we have?
0: Absolutely. And well said, I personally have been a very strong um, proponent of this, that you don't bring half yourself to work. You bring your wholesome to work, right? And, you know, it's very important that what you are at work is also what you are outside of work or what you are outside of work is exactly, you know, in the truest, authentic way, you are at work as well. So personally, I'm a big believer that it shouldn't only be treated as a corporate I would say, initiative. It is more of a, I would say, a social initiative in, in general.
1: Right. Absolutely agree with you on that. So we've, we've come to the last question of uh, our discussion. So what are some of the biggest challenges prolonging the sustainable DEI initiative, diversity, equity, and inclusion? And how can organizations overcome these? Uh,
0: now, this what I'm about to share, possibly is going to be very personal to me. Um, and I'm not sure how others would see this, but I strongly believe that uh, no human being is spared of unconscious biases right. um, and an awareness of it and working consciously to kind of remove those biases would be the uh, would be a way forward for a successful execution of any DEI initiatives in any organization. Mm-hmm. Now, a few organizations... Uh, understand this possibly and take care of this again through only training workshops Mm -hmm. but I would go a little ahead and say unless we don't start calling out each other and holding each other accountable on these biases um, they will always continue to be a blocker in creating an environment or a workplace which is um, a very people-friendly environment but that's very personal opinion in my, uh, my Way of looking at where constraints come in and how people treat this. Awesome,
1: sounds great. So I I think we've we've come to the end of the discussion and um, yeah, it was quite an you know interesting discussion we had about very very interesting topics as well. Uh, thank you so much for being part of this podcast today. Um, thank you for your time and thank thank you for sharing your views. Uh, I'm sure all our listeners gonna love this episode. Um, Thank you for being part of this podcast.
0: Thank you, Shweta, and thank you, Springworks, for giving me this opportunity.
1: Thank you so much.